All right, so I'm here with David Manzi. My name is Charlie Corrigan. David is the litigation partner here at Stiller and Hamilton. Um, and also, I would say my boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were we were talking about things to have a quick discussion about. And one thing that one thing that I was thought would be kind of, I guess, pertinent um, to our practices is our just in general, some of the key differences between North Carolina law and South Carolina law, specifically with regard to tort claims, which is, you know, mostly negligence um, as far as what we're going to be talking about. Okay, well, uh, I am licensed in both North and South Carolina. In fact, I practiced uh, mostly in North Carolina before I got my South Carolina license back in 2006. Um, there, there are differences, very similar, and there are differences, but uh, it, it's quite pertinent because being where we are in the upstate of South Carolina right now in Rock Hill, we have a lot of people who uh, work in North Carolina, the Charlotte area, and so there's a lot of travel back and forth between the two states. So it's not unusual that we come across a lot of clients who either live here, but they had an accident in North Carolina or something else happened in North Carolina. So the case has to be filed in North Carolina. Uh, one of the things, the first thing I talk about is what, what dictates whether a case should be filed in South Carolina or North Carolina. Uh, usually if the accident itself occurred in North Carolina, North Carolina law is going to, uh, to dictate what happens, and usually we file those cases in North Carolina, regardless of where the plaintiff or the defendant might reside. Um, if the accident occurs in South Carolina, but the person who caused the accident lived in North Carolina, and our client lives in South Carolina, we're more likely to file it in South Carolina. Uh, so it's usually the, the, the point of where the accident occurs is usually the thing that I look at in, in terms of deciding where it's best to file the case. Now, in terms of actual differences, the, um, the first thing we can talk about is the statute of limitations. Every, every state sets their own statute of limitations, and that is how long does it take from the time I'm injured to bring an actual lawsuit, I have to file it in court. In, in South Carolina, it's basically three years for almost any kind of tort action, any kind of accident, any kind of negligent action, and even a wrongful death action. You have three years from the date of injury to file it in court. North Carolina is basically the same except when it comes to wrongful death. In, in North Carolina, you only have two years. If the, if the injury resulted in the death of the person, you only have two years from that death to file in North Carolina. So that's something we always have to be uh, aware of when we look at and evaluate where the statute of limitation is, is where the injury occurred and what type of injury that it was. Apart from that, uh, the negligence, the tort negligence itself in terms of uh, uh, duty of care and the breach of that duty causing an accident between the two states is pretty similar. Right. Uh, where it becomes different again is in the nature of damages. And, and this becomes very significant uh, when it comes to medical bills. In, um, in South Carolina, if the case were to go to trial, we can present to the jury the actual medical bills that were incurred by the plaintiff, the actual charges, regardless of if those charges were paid by insurance or, or were written off or anything like that. So the jury sees the actual charges that were incurred. Uh, North Carolina law does not do that. They changed the law a number of years ago 
North Carolina only allows you to present to the jury what the outstanding balance is on those bills. And it can be a significant difference, especially if you had some bills that were written off or a lot of bills that were paid by insurance. And, and why that's important, rightly or wrongly, juries tend to look at medical bills and they kind of think, well, if the person occurred, the more medical bills they incurred, the more injured they must have been. Right. So if you have a lot of medical bills, the jury's more like at least going to enter into that with that thought in mind. And in North Carolina, they're not going to see that mm. because of the nature of, of the law up there. So it, it makes it uh, a little harder on the attorney in order to uh, get the evidence into of damages that the plaintiff suffered and the amount of medical treatment that they were doing. You can do you, all the treatment will come in. It's just the actual medical bills. And there's some variances to that in terms of what the court might allow and stuff. But that's the major difference between a case in North Carolina going to trial and a case in South Carolina going gotcha, to trial. Gotcha, yeah. It's commonly called the collateral source rule. Right. Um, we have it. They don't. I like it. No. Um, but anyways, another question I have is about the contributory negligence separation. So, um, well, for starters, could you just kind of point, just point out what, that is versus comparative negligence or sure. modified comparative negligence on, on paper and, and versus an actual application, you know, how, how strict is the contributory negligence rule as far as the actual percentages? C- could you go yeah. into that a little bit? Sure. And, and that's another important, a very important distinction in, uh, in North Carolina, North Carolina, it may only be the only state right now. I know for a long time, it was only two states in the entire country that recognize contributory negligence as a defense. And what contributory negligence says that if the plaintiff was even only 1% at fault in the accident, that claim is barred. They cannot get any recovery for the accident itself. Uh, It's a very archaic uh, law. Uh, It's unfair to injured parties in an accident. You're only 1% at fault. But uh, in North Carolina, it's a, it's, it goes back many, many years, and for some reason, they've never changed the law. Most every other state, uh, and South Carolina included, has gone to what we call comparative negligence. That means it will take into account that the plaintiff may have contributed to the accident, uh, and whatever that percentage of contribution is, all that will do is decrease the amount of award that they've gotten. So, for instance, Say that the the jury awards $100,000 in damages, but determines that the plaintiff was 20% at fault. So that $100,000 would get reduced by 20%, and the plaintiff would only uh, get $80,000. Much fairer to the plaintiff, uh, much fairer to recognizing that sometimes, you know, two people can cause an accident, but one might be a little bit more at fault. Right. Uh, So, but in in South Carolina, if they're equally at fault, the plaintiff's not going to recover. Uh, so that's a little different, but in North Carolina, if you're just at 1% at fault, it's going to bar you. And, and that's why even through the course of, uh, discovery in North Carolina, we have to carefully look at the nature of the accident and determine, is there a possibility that they can say the plaintiff was, uh, or the injured party was a little bit at fault here. And that may negate the claim entirely. Right. And in, in, in actuality, um, in, in reality with cases, I mean, it's, you know, there's shades of gray as far as, as who is at fault for an accident, um, you know, extenuating circumstances, acts of God, different factors. So it's, 
in my experience with South Carolina cases, and I'm going to be licensed in North Carolina uh, relatively soon, most likely, it's it's kind of difficult to really attribute percentages to actual reality and and in practice. So in in your experience in North Carolina cases, I mean, um, how strict is the contributory negligence scheme? I mean, because it seems to me like it's relatively rare when you have a case that's clear cut, you know, just this one individual or entity is completely at fault for everything. It seems like just real circumstances are a little bit more complicated than that. So, so how, how, how strictly applied is just in, in practice is this thing? Well, it's going to, it's going to be, if a case goes to trial, the, whether the plaintiff was contributory negligent as a question of fact. Mm-hmm. So the jury decides that. So the jury hears the evidence and those 12 people on that jury are going to determine whether or not the, um, uh, the plaintiff was at fault. And then see in North Carolina, if you have a jury trial, the juries are going to be asked one question and that's just say, did the plaintiff contribute to the accident was contributing uh, contributory to the accident in any way. They don't have to assign any percentage to it all. If they answer that question, yes, the case is over. The plaintiff doesn't get anything. If they answer the question, no, uh, then the plaintiff will get everything. Uh, in, in that similar case in North Carolina, if there was a defense raise of comparative negligence, Again, the jury will be asked to assign a percentage of how much they think the plaintiff was negligent in the case. And, and, and that becomes a question of fact. And again, it becomes in terms of helping the jury along how well the attorney can present the evidence to the jury and make a plausible argument as to why the plaintiff was only X percent at fault here. Uh, it's some of the facts. If it's if it's clear that there was some fault from the plaintiff, it's 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 better to admit that up front, but kind of minimize it right. as best you can. Uh, in North Carolina, it's a little different. We have to fight it tooth and mm-hmm. nail, and and that's why in, in North Carolina, to be honest, we have to scrutinize the accident before we even file the lawsuit right. to see if this is mm-hmm. going to be an issue mm-hmm. because it is a hard and fast issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the judge has no leeway in it. It's what the jury decides. Right. And if the jury decides, hey, the you know the plaintiff uh, should have done this or should have done that, so I'm going to say they were at fault as well, then the judge is going to just say that you were contributory and negligent and you're not going to recover. Right. Uh, and in South Carolina, we can. it's not scientific in any way. Uh, it's how well you can persuade the jury and argue the position. Um. So, David, again, again uh, last question in general, but specifically about what we were just talking about, uh, specifically in North Carolina, the contributory scheme. So, you know, if a jury decides if, if they're convinced that the plaintiff was at fault, you know, regardless of percentage that could, I mean, it's a, the the case is, is over. Uh, now in your experience when dealing with whether it's right before filing suit or, or dealing with defense attorneys after filing suit, um, how difficult is it to convince opposing counsel of, you know, basically, hey, listen, uh, we, we understand that it's very defendant-friendly, this this negligence scheme, but a, a, a jury can, can be convinced they're just 12 human beings, and if they are convinced, then you're in trouble. So, you know, let's let's talk about settling so you can avoid that risk of either, you know, all or nothing. Um, how... how, how di- how do you make those arguments? And is it, is it difficult? Basically, do, do they know that the, 
do they take advantage of the fact that they know it's a very defendant friendly negligence yeah, scheme? I, I, all, all, and I, I know a lot of North Carolina defense attorneys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in trial with North Carolina mm-hmm. defense attorneys. They're all very smart people. Right. Okay. And, and I'll be honest with you. I am not, I have never taken a case to trial where I thought there was contributory negligence. Um, because I know it's, it's, it's easier to prove because you can, the way you can argue it, all you got to get the jury is just to be a little bit, you know, 1%. Right. You know, uh, it, it's a much easier argument to make. Uh, and, and that's why in terms of venue, uh, it's much easier to bring a case in South Carolina than it is to bring in North Carolina. Sometimes you don't have the choice mm-hmm. because of the nature where the accident occurred and, 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 the, and the parties that were involved. But if any time we can bring a case in South Carolina, it's to our advantage. But those are discussions that take place very early on. Right. I Every case I look at when we first get at the accident, I analyze a North Carolina case to see if there is a possibility of contributory negligence. And using my own, guided by my own experience, I can make a determination whether this is something we can take forward or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and the majority of the cases that we do file in North Carolina obviously don't have that because I, I, I've already screened Right. Screen that part out. When there's comparative negligence here in South Carolina, that's something that you can get into some friendly discussions with the South Carolina yeah. defense attorneys and, and, and determine it's a compromise situation mm-hmm. and determine that. And of course, unfortunately, the, the biggest hurdle in any of this is who the insurance company is and who the adjuster is. Yeah. Because they're the old ones that ultimately uh, make that, uh, that decision. Well, well, thanks for, the, the enlightenment, David. And one last thing. So you're licensed currently in North Carolina and South Carolina and other states, but for this conversation. Um, so what are some of the benefits of being, you know, as far as clients are concerned of having an attorney that has the option of filing and litigating a case in North Carolina and or South Carolina? What, what, are, what are some of the benefits that they wouldn't have from just exclusive North Carolina jurisdiction or South Carolina jurisdiction well, attorneys? I, 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 Basically, and especially in terms of what we were talking about, the, the negligence aspect, the comparative and, and if, if you've got an attorney that's licensed in both states, and if I can make a determination that I can equally file it in North Carolina or South Carolina, I'm always going to pick South Carolina. Right. But if I'm forced to file in North Carolina, I can, I can make that decision too. I, I don't have to send the client someplace else. Uh, and especially because of where we live. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the up here in the upstate of South Carolina, not so much in the in the, in the lower part of the state. We sometimes have that problem with Georgia and South Carolina right, yeah. when we get down to where uh, where my office is in Buford. But um, but here we have so many people who travel every day between the two states oh, yeah. because we're so close from Rock Hill to Charlotte, Fort Mill, uh, whatever you look at. That it's it's more than likely that a person in South Carolina is going to get involved in a North Carolina uh, accident. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, absolutely. But they, but they need somebody who can uh, who can look at it from both aspects and advise them in both uh, ways and determine where, if, if possible, if we can file a case in South Carolina. And I've d- I've done that sometimes when I've had two South Carolina. The defendant and the plaintiff are both from South Carolina, but the accident did occur in North Carolina. I will file it in South Carolina. Right. Because uh, I got both of them here, and it's a little better argument for me to keep it in South Carolina, even though the North Carolina law might still apply as far as the accident's concerned, but it, it does make a better venue. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on what the defense attorneys always have an option to say, it's not in the right 
jurisdiction and try to move it, but I can look at it and analyze it from both ways. Right. Because I know the way both states work. Totally. Absolutely. Well, awesome, David. That's all That's all I have for you. Okay. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, and it's always great to talk to you. All right. David Manzi. Thank you. Um, thanks for talking with me. All right. Thank <laughs> you.